Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Okay, so we're going through a series about mission, and it's about the mission uh, that Jesus has given us to make disciples. And last week, if you were here, Brian went through seven elements of the gospel. What is the gospel? He went through seven elements of the gospel, and I want to highlight just three of them, is that is how a person becomes a Christian, how a person becomes a follower of Jesus in the first place. The first one is repent. Now, repent is kind of a churchy word we use, but essentially it means turn. From where you're going, turn. Like if you're going down the wrong way on a one-way street, you need to repent. That means don't just think about it, turn around. Uh, Second one is believe. Once you repent, you need to believe. You need to trust Jesus as your Savior and rely upon Him. And then the third one is to follow Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus. It's one thing to trust Jesus with your life and to trust Him for your salvation, but it's another thing to follow Him daily, to align with Him, to rely upon Him in your everyday life. And last week, we did have an opportunity for people to come forward to receive Christ as their Savior, to trust Him for the first time. Um, and we always want to be a church that, is, that wants people to come to Christ. That's the mission that Jesus gave us, wants to be our m- mission here as well. So a couple weeks ago, as a matter of fact, Brian, when Brian was preaching, he talked about a section in Matthew 28, where Jesus, at the end of His life here on earth, when He commands His disciples to go into all the world to make disciples to teach them, and to baptize them. Those were the final words of Jesus while He was on this earth. Now today, we're kind of going backwards in time, kind of a prequel kind of thing. We're going to talk about the very first words of Jesus. And what we're going to see is the very first words of Jesus coincide exactly with the last words, that we are to be people that are saved, people that are on a mission from God. They're bookends. It's the priority of Jesus for people not only to follow Him, but also to, we're going to talk about, be fishers of other people. So here's the Scripture. We're going to read it here. It'll be on the screen. Mark 1, uh, starting in verse 16. Here it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So before we dive a little bit deeper into this, let me make some preliminary observations about this passage. And this, for some of us, this could be a familiar passage. We've talked about, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's a common uh, topic oftentimes taught. But a couple things. We see the context. Whenever you look at the Scripture, you want to look at the context. And we find out that this is Jesus when He calls these four guys. This is at the very beginning of His ministry here on earth. He had just finished being baptized. He finished being going out into the, into the desert to be tempted. And now He begins His ministry. And what's very noteworthy is that He doesn't do it alone. He immediately asked people to join him. He partners with other people. 
And then the people that he partnered with, we noticed it says, Mark makes a point in the Scripture, says, for they were fishermen. He wants to drive home the point that these guys were fishermen. They weren't the theologians of the day. They weren't the church people. They weren't the high and mighty educated people. They were fishermen. And back in the first century Palestine, fishermen were probably middle, if not lower middle class people, the working class of society, fishermen. Those are the people that Jesus calls to join him in his mission. So, diving into this passage, you'll notice that there's two things. First of all, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, fishers of people. So the first thing is this. We're going to talk about the two elements. The first thing is that Jesus calls us to follow him. That's the first point. Before we get to the fishers of people, Jesus calls each one of us to be a follower of him, to be a disciple. We use that word, disciple, follower, a learner from him. Now, what's unusual in this case, in first century Palestine, there were rabbis around, and if you wanted to be a follower of a rabbi, you would apply and ask the rabbi if you could be part of his students. Jesus turns that on its head here. You notice he hand-selects his followers. He handpicks his followers. He doesn't wait for them to come to him. He goes after them. And what a crew he goes after, fishermen, um, an unlikely group of guys to be followers of Jesus. But as a follower of a rabbi, you are to learn from the rabbi, learn from Jesus. You are to watch what he does, imitate him in what he does, uh, to do what he does. Matter of fact, in first century Palestine, what the, the saying was that you needed to be covered with the dust of the rabbi. In other words, you were following that rabbi, that teacher, so close that the dust that he would put up from his sandals would actually be on your clothing. You were to be covered in the dust of the rabbi. So these four guys were called to follow Jesus. And we, we talk about this passage often about being fishers of people, but really we need to go back and think the first step is to be a follower of Jesus. Before you can be a fisher of people, you need to be a follower of Jesus. And you can't help but notice as you read this in Mark, it's kind of dramatic. You almost get a sense that Jesus looked at these guys and says, follow me, and they just almost robotically turned and started to follow Jesus. Um, But as we see, if you read all four of the Gospels together, you'll see that they had met Jesus. They had been around him. They had heard him speak. They had probably seen him do miracles. And so when he finally comes to them and says, follow me, It was a point of decision. And you notice in this passage here, it says, at once they followed him. At once they left their nets. Another translation says, immediately they left their nets. So there is a time for these fellows to make a decision, just like there's a time for us, that there is a time of decision-making. You can only put a decision off so long before you have to make that decision. And that's what these guys do, a very radical decision. And a Decision to follow Jesus often involves a radical departure from your past. Your past life is over. Like in the Old Testament, there's a great story of Elisha. He was a farmer, and he had oxen, and he had this oxen cart that he would plow and everything with, and he was called by Elisha to be his follower. And what, what, and, and what, what, what he does, what Elisha does when he's called is he kills his oxen, and he burns his cart, as if to say, I'm now going to follow this man, and I'm leaving the past behind me. 
radical departure from what's gone on. And that's what it is with the decision to follow Jesus. You know, in spring of 1972, I made a decision to follow Jesus, to trust Him as my Savior. And it it was a decision I needed to make. I grew up in the church, and I thought just being around the church was going to make me a believer, make me a Christian. And I realized that, no, there's a time in every person's life where they need to make a conscious decision to be a follower of Jesus. And that's what I did in spring of 1972. And no looking back, my life's never been the same since. And we get the same with these four guys here. The last two especially. It says they're in their boat with their father. And they hear Jesus, and it it says they literally got out of their boat as their father watched them walk away with a strange young rabbi and two other people. That's a radical decision to follow Jesus. It's a decision by any of us, all of us, to follow Jesus. It's a courageous decision, but it needs to be a decision that needs to be made. And once you make that decision, your life's never the same. So the question for all of us today, are you a follower of Jesus? Have you done what Brian talked about last week? Have you repented? Have you believed and trusted Jesus as your Savior? And have you made that decision, much like the guys today, to follow Him, to align your life and becoming a learner, a follower, a disciple of Jesus? Where do you need, like these last two guys, where do you need to get out of the boat of comfort and do, make a decision and radically follow Jesus. If you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus and make Him Lord of your life, you need to do that. It takes courage, but your life will never be the same. So the second thing after Jesus calls them to be follow me is He says, and I will make you fishers of men, fishers of people. So not just to be saved. We as Christians are not just to be saved, to become followers. That's important. That's necessary. But the second step is we are to become fishers of other people. Live with a purpose. See, God gave us a purpose, and we are to be on that mission. It's not that you just accept Christ, become a Christian, and then hang on to the grave. We are called to be living on a purpose of making other people disciples, following the example of Jesus. Now, we, we kind of use the word mission, and we, and, second, and we talk about us being, we are all called to be missionaries. But, you know, I hate to use that term, we are all called to be missionaries, because when we think of missionary, we think of that person in the jungle, living in a hut, uh, and overseas, far, far away from anything. And they're missionaries, but we are called to be missionaries right in our own particular mission field. We are to be, Jesus called later, says we are to be witnesses. We are to be fishers of men right where we're at. So this is your identity and your purpose as a follower of Jesus. Will you step into it? Will you become a fisher of other people? You know, as a student of the rabbi, a student of Jesus, they would hear Jesus say these things, but then he would watch, they would watch him. And if you look at the life of Jesus, you see Jesus encountering all kinds of people. He really went after people. He was a fisher of men. Jesus was the first fisher of men. He he encountered people that were deep, deep into sin and evil behavior. He encountered people that were educated, church, good church-going people. Uh, Jesus encountered people like the Romans who were a 
military oppressors of the people of the day. Jesus encountered lepers, the people who had the disease that made them a social outcast. Jesus went after all those people. He was the original fisher of men. So we are called to be people that live on a mission with a purpose, that purpose being fishers of men. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to be on mission, to be a fisher of people. So how do we do that? Well, the first thing really is to be others-centered, okay? To be others-centered. And that means putting the needs of other people's first. Focus on the needs of other people, the physical needs and the spiritual needs of other people. Think about other people rather than yourself. Because we live in a culture, it's about me. It's about what it means to me. And as we see on the screen, we live in a church culture that is often consumer-oriented or spectator-oriented. We often think, think of Christians as the missionaries, and the rest of us, or the, that, that the elite Christians are the missionaries, and the rest of us are merely consumers or spectators. We consume. We come to church to get fed or to be filled up. And when we leave, some people leave, have left churches before, and they think, I'm leaving because, you know, I'm just not being fed. And sometimes it's like the clue phone is for them. It is not about you. It is about, we need to be thinking of other people. It really isn't what, very me-centered, we come to the door, and we often think, I hope things are good today. I hope the worship is good. I hope the message is entertaining. Uh, I hope the temperature is not too cold or too hot. I hope the music's not too loud. I hope the seats are comfortable. I hope we get done on time because I got plans, you know. I mean, we don't want to go too long. And it's all about our comfort. We, we consume. Give it to me. Feed me. I'm a consumer. The better attitude is when you hit the door is to think, who needs a word of encouragement today? Or what can I do to meet the need of someone else? Or maybe it could be, I'm excited because I get to go in and listen to the music and lift my worship to God. I want to glorify God in the worship rather than, I hope the music's not too loud. I hope it's one of my favorite songs today. Sometimes we're spectators. We sit, cross our arms, and it's like, this is pretty interesting. This is a good show. Uh, My father-in-law used to go to a big church where they had a great production on Sunday morning, and he used to say, put a dollar in the plate when it went by, and he said, where can you get this entertainment like this for a dollar? Um, Because the music was good, and the speaker was good, and he was a spectator. And then you you leave, and it's done. You know, it's it's like the professional football game. I've heard a professional football game is is defined as 70,000 people in need of exercise cheering on 22 people who are exhausted and try to get them to work harder. That's what NFL football is. Sometimes church is like that. I wish those people would work harder while we do nothing. So we, we are called to be more than consumers, more than mere spectators. Jesus didn't call us to come and just sit and be fed. He called us to follow Him and then be on mission, to reach out to others with the good news. That's the message, message of Jesus. 
So let's get practical in terms of how do we do this fishers of people thing? What does it look like day in and day out? Uh, you know, being a, being a fisher of people that Jesus says, it's a mandate. It's not like if, you, if you'd like to, you could become a fisher of people. It's not an option. The way Jesus says it is, if you follow me, I will make you a fisher of people. It's a mandate. And it is for everyone. It's sometimes we think, well, that's for the clergy. That's for the full-time Christian workers. The people that are talented, educated, not for me. That's what we often think. But then we, as I mentioned before, look, step back. Who did Jesus call to be fishers of people? He called ordinary people, fishermen. He didn't recruit his disciples from the religious establishment of the day. He went to the fishermen of the day. And that means they're ordinary people. So that means we're all included because we're all pretty ordinary. Another point is it's not on our own power. Sometimes we worry, I'd like to be a fisher of people, but I don't have, I can't do this by myself. I'm, I don't have the ability, the talent, the resources or whatever. You know, Jesus says in our passage, he says, I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of people. You don't have to do it on your own. God will do it. Elsewhere, you remember a couple weeks ago when uh, Brian was speaking about the, uh, Jesus' mandate to go into all the world? He says, Jesus says, and I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. He, Jesus is with us. He gives us the power, the courage, the boldness to be reach, people that reach out to other people. So how do we do this fishing? I've got four practical suggestions. The first one is this, meet and engage people where they are. Oftentimes we think, I wish so-and-so would come to church so they could hear the gospel. I wish so-and-so would come to this event. The mandate from Jesus is, we're to go where they are. That's what Jesus did. He went where, where everyone else was. It's kind of like leaving the zone of the known, our comfort zone, to a zone of the unknown. It's a little scary to go and see people where they are. It might mean walking across the street and talking to your neighbor that you've never talked to. It might mean having a block party and inviting people to just get together on your block. Just practical things. The example of Jesus, you know, he, he went to Samaria and met a woman by a well in Samaria. You know how scandalous that was in the first century Palestine for a Jewish person to go to Samaria? Jesus did that. He didn't wait for the Samaritan woman to come to him. He went to where she was at and engaged her in a dialogue and a conversation. What a great example. Or Zacchaeus. Remember these, the wee little man in the tree? We have known the song perhaps. Jesus is walking down and then there's a guy in the tree because he's a short guy like me. And he's in the tree. And Jesus looks up and says, you, there, I'm coming to your house today to eat dinner. He invites himself to his, this guy's house to eat dinner. So maybe the example is, maybe we need to go to people and invite ourselves over for dinner. <laughs> Jesus did it. But he, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Jesus went into his house as a tax collector. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, come into a meeting we're having. He says, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to engage you where you are at in your comfort zone. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to your comfort zone. So we need to meet people where they are at. 
I know, no offense to our nice church building here. It's a nice church building. They had some improvements lately. It's a beautiful building. But this is not where real ministry takes place. Real ministry takes place outside, in the classrooms, in the gyms, in the office buildings, in the factories, in your neighborhood. That's where real ministry takes place. That's where Jesus would go. So pray for opportunities in your everyday life, wherever you're at, to love people, to share with them, to speak. The second one is develop the art of listening and taking a genuine interest in others. You know, the, the lost art of good conversation uh, is, is, it really is a lost art. Sometimes conversations are two monologues going at the same time. And we need to be people that engage people with a, in a conversation, a dialogue, asking questions, learning about them. Listening, the art of listening is a rare art. Listen to what people say. I know I have a hard time I, in my courtroom work. I ask the question of the witness, and I'm thinking of my next question. I'm not paying attention to what their answer is. And sometimes it makes me look pretty silly. Um, we are called to be listeners, to learn about people. The third one is we need to love people, um, creatively love people. People will know we are Christians by our love for them. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So loving people involves words, of course, but it also involves action. And everyone can do this in your own style. Well, Barbara and I have been married for a long time, and she, we're very different in a lot of ways. Her style of showing love to other people is very different than mine. Everyone is created differently. It's not a cookie-cutter approach where everyone has to be like a certain style. You love people in a way that, you, that is meaningful to them and is comfortable to you. But there is a way. You just need to find it. Example, you can pray. That's Everyone can pray. Doing acts. I, we were, Barbara and I were on a walk the other day, and we saw these, the teenage boy mowing the grass of an elderly couple. And the uh, elderly woman was out, and she waved to us and waved to the boy. And I, I'll bet that boy's not getting paid to do that, but it's what a wonderful thing for him to do for that family. Just a practical thing. We, we, no, one other one would be could, uh, the meal train or providing food for people. Everyone loves food. They especially love desserts. What a way, if you like cooking or you like making desserts, food is a great way to show love to people. Perhaps another great way is child care. And I know that scares the daylights out of a lot of people here. Child care. What greater way can you show love to a young couple who want to go on a date night than offering to watch their children? Or they want to go to a small group, you offer to watch their children. That's, that's not easy all the time. But what a way to show people love to get that young couple a break uh, and a time away from their kids. St. Francis of Assisi said this, <clears throat> Preach the gospel. When necessary, use words. So we are to love people in actions. And then part of that is always be ready for opportunities when they arise. Opportunities will arise when you least expect it. And sometimes it will come into your life. You need to be alert to that opportunity. Um, this week, Barbara and I made a new friend. Her name is Mrs. Lewis. And we were leaving, driving our car, and we, she lives at the end of our road, right at, near the Route 150, 
as an elderly woman living by herself. We knew that because the sign on her house said Lewis. So we knew it was Mrs. Lewis. Her thing said Mrs. Lewis. And we went to leave, and, and as, we're, as we're driving down the road, we noticed Finn, about a third grader boy. He waves us down, young guy. He's, he lives next to Mrs. Lewis. And Mrs. Lewis is sitting on the street where, right next to the curb, clearly she had fallen and couldn't get up. So Finn waved us down. What a great kid that is. Uh, and, and so we stopped. We went over. We helped Mrs. Lewis get up, and she was bleeding from her elbow. And we helped her get in the house and get sit in a seat. We called her daughter and got her phone and called her daughter and stuff like that. And her daughter came later and took care of her. We checked in on her, and she actually broke her wrist in her fall. Now, here's the part that's... We are talking to Mrs. Lewis. By the way, we, we sat and we prayed for Mrs. Lewis. And then uh, we, we, we had a chance to talk to her a little bit. And she said, I said, how long have you lived here? She says, 20 years. Now, we've lived there a tad bit longer than that. But why did it take me 20 years to get to know Mrs. Lewis? So when Barb went to pray for her, she says, what's your first name? We don't even know her first name. How, how, how do I get off not knowing the first name of an elderly woman who needs help in my neighborhood? I don't. And then to add insult to injury, she's telling us, oh, I see you guys walk by every day. She says, every time I see you walk by, I pray for you guys. It's like, oh, boy. That's all. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, Mrs. Lewis is now our new friend. We should have made a friend of her 20 years ago. Um, okay, the fourth thing is this. When appropriate, speak up. We talked about actions. Words are important too. You know, in the, Jesus later uses the term, you will be my witnesses. And we, we talk about witnessing as a funny thing. But you know, I'm in the practice of law. A witness. Here's what a witness is. Someone who takes the witness stand and they are asked questions and they give testimony. They can't say what someone else told them because we know that to be hearsay. They can't say what they don't know. They can't speculate. They just have to say what they know from their own personal knowledge. And when Jesus says, you are to be my witnesses, that means we are to speak up and tell what Jesus has done in our life. Not what he did in someone else's life. Not to speculate. Not to go into theology. What has Jesus done for us? In 1 Peter 3, it says this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. But do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. But it also says, give an answer. We are to be bolder in sharing what Jesus has done in our life. We need to speak up. There's times when you need to speak up. Gentleness and respect, but speak up. We're always worried someone's going to ask us a question we don't know the answer to. And, you know, the best answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Because, it's number one, it's true, if, it's, if it is true. Secondly is, you gain credibility when you admit you don't know something. So we all, like... Every one of us are missionaries. We are missionaries, not in the sense of the ends of the earth, yes, but it's the call of Jesus, like these four fishermen, to be on mission where they're at, to be fishers of men. So as we looked at this, here's the first question. Are you a follower of Jesus? 
That was his first request or demand or mandate to these people. Follow me. It wasn't like, can you guys think about following me? Follow me. So are you a follower of Jesus? If not, why not? Jesus invites everyone into a relationship with him. But there's a time when a decision has to be made. I made my decision in the spring of 1972 when I was in college. And I realized being a good church boy didn't do it. I was, gave my life to Jesus. We went to Lake Bloomington. I was baptized in water that I think the ice just left a short time before that. It was so cold. Um, but I gave my life to Jesus, and it's never been the same. So have you made that decision? Have you made that decision that you want to be a follower of Jesus, that you want to trust Him with your life? It's a decision everyone needs to make. And by not making that decision, you have made the decision. And then secondly, what are you doing to be a follower of Jesus, to fish for others? Where is your mission field? We all have a different mission field. Like I said, sometimes it's the classroom or the office or the factory or the gym or Dunkin' Donuts or it could be any place. Every one of us is unique. Could be across the street. Could be across the street in one street, one house down where Mrs. Lewis lived. But it's a clear heartbeat of Jesus that people come into a relationship with Him and be able to spend their eternity with Him in heaven. He wants to use us. He wants to use those four guys. He wants to use us. His call to, that, to us is the same as it was to them, to be fishers of men. Jesus was the best at it. We, we study Him. You see words He used. We see methods He used. And then He leaves, and we are to pick up the mantle and do that. So let's get about it. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for the story of these four guys and what they did and how courageous they were to give their life, uh, change their life, and be a follower of Jesus. I pray for anyone here today, God, that has not made that decision to be a follower of Jesus, that they would make that decision today and soon. Uh, And God, secondly, if... We're our followers of Jesus. May we get out of the stands and get in the game and become fishers of people. May we be engaged regularly in seeking out people that are followers of of you. Thank you for our time today. Uh, I ask that you bless each one of us here as we leave. In Jesus' name, amen.